Good morning. You guys can turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We will not be doing all of Psalm 119. We'll be doing one verse, actually. Guys, when I was in uh, junior high and high school, you know, leading up till, till college, I think there was, there was just dozens and dozens of times where I committed my life to Christ emotionally, sometimes with tears in my eyes, begging the Lord to forgive me. If he would just forgive me this one last time, I'll change. And then always for me, it was like two weeks later, I went back into all my old habits and I just didn't care anymore. And I wondered, why is it, why is it that I had to rededicate my life to the Lord? I mean, dozens and dozens of times. And why did I not have to do that? All of a sudden, in the middle, the middle of college, I got serious with the Lord and then moved forward with him for the rest of my life. What was the big change? The big change for me, because I recognize that, I'm like, my goodness, is this just going to be another two weeks? The big change for me was that the commitment I made was to read the Bible every day, no matter what. Whether I fell back into drinking and partying or whatever, I was going to commit to reading the Bible every single day. And it's when I began to do that, that I could never get more than 24 hours away from the Lord, and he kept me close to him for the rest of my life. And so I know at camp you're thinking like, man, this is great. I feel, I feel closer to the Lord. I feel like the Lord is doing something. But last year I just kind of went back into my old routine afterwards just a little bit. I want you guys to commit to personally reading the Bible every single day. And we're going to talk about why that's so important. We're going to be in Psalm 119, 162. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. Psalm 119, 162. A few years ago I, I saw an article. Uh, it was really interesting about Israel, and there were two leading archaeologists and about 15 paid workers that were digging in an old parking lot outside of the old city of Jerusalem. They dug for over a year and hadn't found anything interesting. And then this volunteer from Britain shows up and unearths one of the largest and most impressive hordes of ancient Byzantine coins that had ever been found. She found 264 gold coins that were 1,300 years old. It was the largest and most important find of its kind. And the next largest find of that same Byzantine class was only five coins. So it was like a really big deal what she found. And she was a volunteer that was only there for three weeks, and she found all that. And everyone else was there for a year and found nothing. She didn't realize that it was a big deal. She's like, well, that's why I volunteered. I wanted to do some like Indiana Jones kind of stuff and find some cool things, right? So that's why I came. So of course I, I found some stuff. She really thought it was normal. And here's what she said about her discovery and how she did it. I quote, we moved some big rocks out of the way, and I dug underneath, and there it was. Oh, that's what we were doing wrong. We were just hitting the rocks with a hammer. No, it's like, no, it sounds too simple. It sounds, you know, it sounds like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what you should do. But listen, she would not have found that treasure if she did not first move those big rocks out of the way. And I want to spend some time talking about that this morning to help us see what are the big obstacles, what are the big rocks that are between us and consistently getting into the Word of God, because there's things that block us from that. If we can remove these stumbling blocks out of the way, then maybe we can get into God's word and find that joy that others find in it. So Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And so first we're going to look at the three big rocks that are in our way in this verse. And the first two words show us the first rock. I rejoice. That's the attitude that we have towards Scripture. If we've just got like a bad attitude towards Scripture, we're never going to pick up that book. 
Then at your word, that's the attention that we give towards scripture. If we're not focused on the scriptures, if we're just distracted with every other thing, we're never going to, we're never going to look at it. And then as one who finds, that's the action that we take towards scripture. If we think just, you know, dropping the Bible, flipping it open to wherever it is and and reading for a couple seconds is going to do it. It's not. It requires hard work. But if we can get past those three big obstacles, then we arrive at the great treasure, and that's the attraction of Scripture. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to have four main points that we're talking about looking at this one verse. Let's start at the first one, the two words, I rejoice. Say, I rejoice. There it is. I rejoice. You're taking notes. This is the attitude, the attitude that we should have towards Scripture. I rejoice, the attitude that we should have towards Scripture. So we're told by the psalmist to rejoice. We're told elsewhere in the Psalms that they are more to be desired than gold. Yes, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So the psalmist is trying to appeal to every person out there. Some people love money and like, this is better than gold. Some people love food and like, this is better than honey, right? The scriptures are amazing. Now it's easy to rejoice at different times in life. You know, it was, it was really easy for me to rejoice all of a sudden when the doctor said, it's a girl. Because we, for all of our children, we were left to the moment of birth to find out the gender. Yellow and green are good colors. You can paint your nurseries those colors. Everything's going to be fine, right? And so it was great. So all of a sudden, this baby we've been praying for and feeling kick, and it's creepy, right? You feel like you see this hand come out of the womb sometimes, and you're like, okay, okay, baby, alien creep, right? But all of a sudden, boom, it's a girl. And I look, I look, and we have a girl named, I say, Abby, and she opens her eyes and stares at me, and boom, I'm just a mess. I'm just bawling my eyes out. It's easy to rejoice at certain times in life, but why do we rejoice over the scriptures? Well, listen, within the covers of a single book are all the answers to all the problems that we face today. That's, that's kind of cool, right? If we would just believe that the scriptures have all things pertaining to life and godliness, we could find help there. So if we're worried, we learn in the scriptures that we cast our cares to the Lord. If we're tempted to sin, we realize God always makes a way of escape. If we're upset, God puts all of our tears in a bottle, right? The answers to everything we need are in the scriptures. The best reason I I think is found in Jeremiah 15, 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. He says, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Why? For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. It's only within the truth of the Bible that we discover that we can be accepted by God if we put our trust in Jesus Christ. What more reasons do we need to rejoice than that? But it's a common temptation for Satan to make the Bible seem like the most boring, stale, dusty old book that you can ever imagine. And you're like, I tried one time. I picked up the Bible and it was boring, right? It felt like calculus. I don't get it. So like what comes first, the joy for the Bible and then you read it? Or do you read the Bible and then you have joy? I honestly believe if you commit to reading the Bible, eventually you will find great joy in reading the scriptures. It's like coffee, like Ben was talking about. I mean, it is like the first time you have coffee, you just do it to try and impress like a girl or something or a guy, you know, you're like, like, oh yeah, coffee's great. You know, that's why they invent all these weird coffees like Frappamopa Wopachopas, you know, and, and it's like, great. And, you know, cause like they need for real people, but then like, but eventually if you keep drinking coffee, you become like America, you're addicted to it. You know, and you're like, but you got to start, get through the bitterness, and then eventually you get to the addiction. I mean, the goodness of it, right? Listen, the Bible's the same way. If you commit to reading, God will meet you there. 
So I rejoice. That's the attitude that we should have towards Scripture. Next, in Psalm 119, 162, we see, at your word. Say, at your word. You didn't say it, like, with any passion. So we're going to, unfortunately, have to repeat that. Say, at your word. That's right. That's our attention. Our attention should be focused on scriptures. If you're taking notes at your word, our attention should be focused on the scriptures. Listen, a few years ago, there was another treasure hunt going on in Jerusalem. A woman named Anat thought that it would be a nice thing to surprise her mom in Tel Aviv. And so she, her mom goes away on vacation. And while she's gone, Anat swaps out her bed because this lady had a bed that was literally 50 to 60 years old. And so she's like, mom, you're crazy. You know, she never wanted to get rid of it. So she brings in a brand new bed, throws out the other one. Her mother comes home. She's like, surprise. Her mom slaps her in the face and say, where is it? Where is it? She starts screaming at her. She didn't know that her mom had hidden $1 million in that bed, and it was thrown away three days earlier now. So Anat went running out the door, screaming. Everyone's like, what's going on? And she's like, I threw away my mother's bed, and it had a $1 million in it. And everyone's like, oh, and everyone else starts running. By the end of the day, there was helicopters in Israel over all the landfills, all the dumps in Israel. There were people knee-deep in hummus and all kinds of trash and, you know, every, and they were cutting open mattresses trying to find the million dollars. Literally, people in the dumps all over, and it was never found. That means somebody wisely found it quietly, right? Listen, this story reminds me that sometimes we look for treasure in the trash, don't we? Sometimes we think like, oh yeah, I'm just crawling around in the dirt, and I think I'm going to find joy here. I'm going to find joy in the Netflix binge. I'm going to f- find joy in 14 hours of playing Fortnite. I'm going to find joy in thinking if I don't break my thumb, but I keep scrolling, somehow when the next thing loads, I'll find happiness. We look for treasure in the trash. We will be so satisfied if we just put our attention on the scriptures, but everything else distracts us from that. That's why the psalmist elsewhere in this same chapter says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. We're just not convinced that God wants to give us something better, but he does. Remember when Peter and James were, were walking through Jerusalem and they bumped into somebody who, who was just sitting there begging for, for money. He was, he was lame, he was paralyzed, he couldn't walk. And he's, the best thing that he's hoping for is maybe he'll get a little money for food today. And in Acts 3, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And I learned from that story that God wants to give us better things than we're expecting. His attention was focused on hoping he would get some money. The man could walk because of Jesus. Jesus wants to give you so much more than just passing the time with recreations that ultimately are going to be forgotten and not really do anything for the kingdom. We all have the same excuse why we don't put our attention on the word of God. All, every single one of us, whether you're in Virginia, California, or New Jersey, same excuse. I just don't have enough time. I'm too busy. But listen, we all have 168 hours each week and we make time for what's important. Many times we'll skip reading the word of God, but we'll always have breakfast. Like we'll always be late for something because we want to have breakfast. We've got to make time. You've got to prioritize it. You've got to simplify your life if there's not really enough time. Do you know to read the entire Bible out loud is only 72 hours? You've been here for longer than 72 hours. To read the entire Bible out loud at a normal pace. So that's four chapters a day. It'll take you a half hour, four chapters a day. In a year, you'll read the entire Bible. 
If that's too intense and you're like, well, I just want to read the New Testament this year, read one chapter a day and you will read the New Testament in a year and get this, you can have a hundred fail days. So a hundred days you can be like, oh, I forgot to read. And you'll still accomplish reading the entire New Testament in a year. You got to set these goals. Keep your attention on the word and God will reward you. All right. Next in Psalm 119, 162, we see as one who finds, say as one who finds. That's the action, the action that's required of us in studying scripture, the action that's required of us in studying scripture. When I was at New York University, a a friend of mine was opening up a birthday card that had a lottery ticket in it, and he scratched away the last couple pieces and started to freak out because he had won $50,000. He's like, oh, I can't believe it. I can't, you know, when he starts, you know, he starts saying all these things he wanted to do with money. And that's what surprised us. He starts saying things like, I'm going to pay back my mom for supporting me in college. I'm going to help put like $10,000 towards my sister's wedding. She thought she couldn't get a photographer, but now she can. I'm going to buy my dad a car. His car just broke down. It was like the sweetest reaction you could ever imagine. Like, man, like I figured he would be selfish like me. Right. But instead he wanted to give all the money away. All, all of it away. It was like, it was the, really the coolest thing. I felt horrible, horrible, because I had given him that ticket for his birthday. And I was like, oh. but listen, it wasn't that I was jealous. It's that I was so embarrassed and sad and destroyed because it was a fake lottery ticket. And it said on the back, to be redeemed by the tooth fairy. And when he finally read that, he's like, oh, and he felt like a little embarrassed. And I was like, uh, raise your hand if you're the worst person on the planet. And I was the only one with my hand raised. Listen, but he learned a valuable lesson in life. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. It isn't true, right? It's probably not true. Like, isn't li- life isn't that easy. Life shouldn't be that easy. Listen, the Proverbs tell us, search for wisdom as for hidden treasures, it's not, it's not just that you open the Bible, yawn, read a verse, and you're like, sweet, I have been empowered by God for the day, right? It's not, it's not just that it's like super easy, right? It's not complicated. It's not that no one here is, you know, not smart enough to figure out the Bible. It's just that we do have to put in some effort, like everything on earth, like everything, right? You want to get a pearl? You got to pry open like a clam or an oyster or whatever, some kind of little animal in the water, like a fish mouth. I don't know where they are, right? You want gold? It's in a mountain. You want diamonds? It's in a deep cave. Everything valuable is hard to get, right? Every, everything valuable. You don't just like look around and say, you, I'll marry you. And she's like, great. Thanks for asking. No, you work at it. You brush your tooth, right? You comb your hair. You smell less bad. You work hard at it. If you want to get some amazing things out of scriptures, you have to work hard at it. You have to search the Bible like it's a hidden treasure, Hebrews 11.6 says this, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him to search out carefully, to investigate, to crave, to demand. You have to work hard at the scriptures. We have no excuse for not working hard. This isn't an intelligence thing because God wants it to be so simple that children can believe. Do you know that this is a true story in the early 1900s? I, I found the source of this. This is true. William McPherson was a new believer. He worked in a, in a coal mine And as his work in the mine was going about, all of a sudden there was a terrible dynamite explosion that blinded him and literally blew off his hands. His hands had to be amputated. He's in the hospital kind of waking up from all the trauma in complete darkness without his hands. 
and he's just like telling people, can you pray for me? I'm so scared. Can you pray for me? I'm in darkness. And, and he would have people, and he would beg people to read him the Bible because he had developed the Bible reading habit over the past couple of weeks. But people would always kind of get over it at some point because they have other things to do, and they'd read a little and put it down, and then he would be left in his darkness. So he, he couldn't learn Braille, he thought, because he had no hands, but he heard a, a rumor that one person had learned how to read Braille using their lips. So he ordered the Braille set to learn Braille, pressed it up against his lips. His lips were so burned, he had no feeling left in his lips, and he couldn't feel anything. And the doctor said he would never be able to feel anything. So he's just sitting there begging the Lord to heal him and doesn't know how, how could I possibly, you know, be in this situation. And then one night, as he's crying with the Lord, he takes the, the tablet up again to put it up to his lips and his tongue touches it by accident. And he had this idea and it had never been done before in history. He began to learn how to read Braille using his tongue. It, he would stay up all night just learning a couple new letters to distinguish with his tongue. And then when his tongue started bleeding, he'd have to stop for a few hours or a few days till it would heal. Then he'd go back to learning it. Do you know that he learned the first person ever to read Braille using his tongue? And do you know that William McPherson, over the next 60 years that he spent in darkness when he lived, he read through the entire Bible using his tongue four times by himself? That doesn't count going to church and hearing the Bible. He personally read the Bible four times. He listened to it many more times than that. Listen, I just, I just, you just got to realize William McPherson's going to be standing in heaven when you get there and you're like, ah, I uh, had my eyes, my hands. I have dozens of Bibles. I got cool looking Bibles, ugly looking Bibles, old Bibles. I, I just didn't want to read it. He's going to beat the junk out of you in heaven. Right? We've got no excuse. You know, the Bible says, like, the Ninevites are going to rebuke you in heaven, right? Because they repented at Jonah. Like, William McPherson is going to rebuke us in heaven. Why was the pain worth it? Why was it worth it to, 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 you know, give that much attention towards the scripture, to have that action and that hard work towards the scriptures? Why was it worth it if we overcome these three rocks? If we overcome these three obstacles of having a bad attitude towards scriptures and instead we begin to rejoice in the scriptures, you know, the attention, not being distracted, but being focused on the scriptures, our actions, not being lazy, but being diligent as we study. If we overcome these three obstacles, we arrive at the great treasure. Everyone say great treasure. This is the attraction to scripture, the attraction to scripture. Listen, we're attracted to the shine of a gold coin, the sparkle of a diamond, and it's important to see the scriptures as a treasure because Matthew 6, 21, we read, you know, said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, we, the, why are the scriptures a great treasure? Why is it this attraction that we have towards them? It's that we rejoice in the Bible because the Bible introduces us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The attraction is the written word can introduce you to the living word, Jesus Christ. Jesus on the road to Emmaus met two confused people in Luke 24. And he said to them, this is after his, his death and resurrection. And he's just trying to, to, to dialogue with them to get them to realize who he is. And he says to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And listen, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He showed them, he, you know, he began to show them by not opening the Bible, but, but just by telling them. And you know, remember in, in, you know, in Genesis, 
where it talks about that, you know, one day the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. That's me. I, I crushed the head of, you know, of the snake, you know, Satan on, on the cross. He begins to explain how the Messiah had to suffer and die first before he'd be in glory, before he would, you know, reign and rule like everyone expected. So they began to see that the entire Bible is about Jesus. In the Old Testament, it's all pointing forward towards him, sometimes in direct prophecy, sometimes through typology or illustrations, right? And, and eventually, God's, God's word showed them the living word. When they finally understood this, it says, then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us when he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Guys, that's the experience that each person in this room can have, whether or not you've had it before. Your hearts can burn. Your hearts can be excited as you read the Bible. If you open the Bible and pray and say, Lord, speak to me, and you read, and not just read, right? Because we can read and forget. You ever do that? You read a couple pages, and you're like, wow, the whole time I've been daydreaming. That doesn't count. You got to go back and read to understand. You have to meditate on the scriptures, right? You, you read and you, and you journal, And if you do that, you can begin to have a joy and excitement in the scriptures, not because you're learning a textbook better, but because since the scriptures introduce us to the living word, our relationship with God grows. And it is through the scriptures that God is speaking to us, and then we respond in prayer. And all of a sudden, now you've got this dynamic personal relationship with God, and you're not just being told who God is from a preacher, but now you are interacting with God through the Bible and through prayer. And that is will make you consistent with the Lord for the rest of your life if you develop that single habit. So guys, I want to challenge you. I just want to tell you what I think is one of the most exciting ways to go through the entire Bible. It's super simple. I spent a year and I did this and I I did not regret it. It's really joyful. And so you can start with a new Bible. You either need a new Bible or you need a new highlighter color you haven't used before, right? And, And here's what you can do. You just, you just try and read one chapter at a time, whether you read four chapters a day because you want to cover the Bible in a year, or whether you want to do this just for the New Testament, read one chapter a day and just go through the New Testament, whatever. But after each chapter, you pause before going on to the next chapter, and you look in that chapter, and you try and identify the single favorite verse in that chapter, and you underline or highlight that verse. All right? And what you're doing is you're actually meditating on the Scriptures. You're choosing this verse over that verse for these reasons— and, and that causes you to slow down. And when you're in like Numbers of Leviticus, you're going to struggle to even find one verse. That's okay. And when you're in the Sermon on the Mount, you just want to like highlight the whole thing. Like, I love it all. No, you can only choose one verse. And that'll help you to meditate even more, right? You just choose one verse. So listen, you choose that one verse. And then if you're an advanced student, right? If you consider yourself an advanced student, What you do is you choose the one verse, and then in a journal, you write down that verse reference and just write one or two sentences why you chose that verse. This verse really spoke to me about some sin in my life that I think God wants me to change. This verse really encouraged me because I've been going through a tough time, and it shows me God loves me. Just one or two sentences. Then you go on to the next chapter. One verse, one sentence. One verse, one sentence. Now listen, let's say you start in Genesis. I'd like to do one Old Testament book, one New Testament book. So I start in Genesis, then I go to Matthew. Then I go back to Exodus, and then I go to Mark. And if you do that, by the end of the, by the end of the, um, old te- by the end of the New Testament, when you're done with that, you've only got the 12 minor prophets left, which are pretty easy to read, and you don't get beat up by the Old Testament as much going back and forth. But listen, let's say you finish Genesis. 50 chapters, you have 50 underlines. 
and 50 sentences in your journal. Now, what do you do before you move on to the next book of the Bible? You pause and you look at your 50 underlines and you say, which of these 50 is my all-time favorite verse for this entire book? So that, that day, you might not even read anything else. You just look at those 50 verses and you identify this single verse is my favorite. Then you circle that verse. And so if you keep doing that, if you identify one verse from every chapter and you write one sentence about why you think it's cool, and then you circle one verse for every book of the Bible, what happens at the end of the year, if you're reading four chapters a day, is you have 1,189 favorite verses and 66 all-time favorite verses. And if you open to any page of the Bible, especially if it's a new Bible and this is all you write in it, you can begin to dialogue with someone. And you can say, hey, what'd you read this morning? Oh, I was in Romans uh, 12. Cool. You flip over to Romans 12. You're like, oh, this was my favorite verse in Romans 12. They say, why? Oh, you flip open your journal. Oh, this is why I remember now. And you tell them. You can dialogue about every chapter in the Bible if you do this. That, that book becomes even more, it just like shows you the value of that book. And you've spent a year meditating on the scriptures, simple. I mean, I'm talking about less than a half hour a day if you want to do the whole Bible in a year and 10 minutes a day if you want to do just one chapter a day, 10 minutes a day. And you can accomplish that. It becomes a powerful and simple way to go through the scriptures. Listen, there's, there's dozens of ways to go through the scriptures, dozens and dozens of ways. That's just one. I'm telling you to do something that causes you to consistently read the Bible and then journal about it, something that causes you to do that. And, and God will meet you there. God will meet you there. And you will experience amazing growth in your life that you haven't before. And so maybe you already think like, well, I gave Christianity a chance. I already tried Christianity. No, like you thought about Christianity a little. You came to church a little. This is trying Christianity. This, this is saying, God, I, I'm taking a season and I need you to meet me here. And guess what? He always will. Because the promises in the Bible says he will. He will draw near to you as you draw near to him. If you search for him diligently, he's going to reward you, right? The promises guarantee that if you're doing this with the right motives, God will meet you there. Doesn't mean you're not going to have pain in your life, difficulties in your life, tragedies in your life, but you will now have God's word in your life that'll help you get through all those things. So promise me you'll do that. It'll develop consistency in your life, which may be the single thing that keeps you close to the Lord where previously you've given up and given up and come back and given up. You can bring consistency to your life through the word. So Father, would you help us to have that habit, that pattern, Lord, that we would rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure, that we'd have the right attitude, our attention would be focused, our actions would be diligent, and that the attraction for us would be that we get to meet Jesus through the word of God. Help us, Lord. Lord, this simple verse in the Bible, help us to, to see it as a way that we can dig into your word, especially this next hour as the, as the students are spending time uh, by themselves, Lord, would you meet them? Just show them this next hour that if they're focused, if they're not going to, you know, sneak off with a pal and hang out, but like if they're focused in the Bible this next hour, you can speak to them. So Lord, show, show up, do that. We know that you will. We know you're faithful and good. In Jesus' name, amen.